Welcome to Beer, Beats, and Business, the business podcast for smart people who appreciate the insights found in a good conversation. That guy sitting at the end of the proverbial bar is your host, David J.P. Fisher, but everyone around here just calls him D-Fish. He's an author, speaker, and business coach. Basically, he's a professional talker. So grab a glass of your favorite beverage, grab a seat, and join us for today's episode. Let's see where the conversation takes us. Hello, 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 and welcome to the 100th episode of Beer, Beats, and Business. I am your guest host, Ryan Roten, and today I am the one sitting at the end of the proverbial bar holding the interesting conversation with an interesting person. And today's interesting person is none other than the one and only David J.P. Fisher, also known as D-Fish. David, welcome to your show. Thank you. I'm having an out-of-body experience and uh, loving it. <laughs> First of all, congratulations on show 100. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You were one of the impetuses of uh, impetai. I don't know what it, of me starting a podcast those years ago. You were a model, so so thank you for for getting me into this this racket. I, I do not know whether I should whether or not I should apologize or take take that in. <laughs> yes, both both for sure. All right. Well, hey, besides being the regular host of the show. You're also a sales Hall of Fame inductee, speaker, podcast host, coach. You show business people and business owners how to leverage digital influence and create human relationships. And one way that you're creating human relationships is by having this podcast and drinking a beer. So I want to know, what are you drinking today? Uh, I am drinking one of our, our sponsors here, Dovetail Brewing in uh, Chicago. They have provided me a Baltic-style porter which uh, is delicious. And uh, the little known fact about Baltic style porters, they actually use lager yeasts, not ale yeasts. So that they're not like a typical porter that way. So there you Interesting. go. Interesting. Laying down some beer knowledge right away. Yeah, this is this is the year, this is the time of the year for porter, if I mm-hmm. if I understand correctly. I personally yes. am not a big porter fan. I happen to be drinking a beer from a bre- local brewery called Trev. It is a uh, watermelon sour. Wow, I would never drink that. Uh, although, <laughs> although the last time we talked on the podcast, you you tried to convince me to come out and visit you in Colorado, and you're going to get me hooked on sours. I still I still look forward to that challenge. Yeah, you still haven't come out here, so as soon as that happens, we can make that work. But you know, let's get this pandemic in the rear view, and I, I'm there. I'm so there. <laughs> so I want to, I'm just going to say I was I'm honored that you asked me to be the guest host on your podcast today. And as I was doing some research, I actually went back into my podcast archives. Okay. And so my first question for you is, do you remember when, we'll just stick with a year to start, what year did I interview you on my podcast for the first time? If I had to guess, I would say 2015. Boom. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, nice. I got it right. Well, hold on. This one. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. October 1st, 2015 is, is the very first time wow. you and I chatted on a podcast. Wow. Okay. It's been a while. It's yeah, it's, and, and that that's back when we were still using Skype and recording using call recorder and like things were <laughs> way more technical back then. <laughs> oh my gosh, half half of the battle of being a podcaster was just trying to get your computer set up. Oh yeah, to actually be able to record. I mean, these days people are just like, oh, we'll use Zoom, it'll be great. I'm like, if you only knew 
what we used to have to do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like Zoom, Zoom was great. As soon as Zoom came out, I switched immediately from Skype and started mm -hmm. using Zoom. And now there's Zencaster and all these other ways that make it so much easier to get your uh, to get your word out, to get your yeah. advice out. It's pretty amazing. I just got to say. For sure. Lots and lots of change since that podcast. But here's some things I want to know whether or not they have or have not changed. Are you still salsa dancing? You know, it has been, uh, because of the pandemic, uh, it has been about 18 months since my wife and I have gone out salsa dancing. But uh, that being said, uh, two nights ago, we had some some Latin music on and I did uh, do a little cha-cha with my wife in the living room. Ah, uh, oh, nice. So so yeah, we're, keep, we're keeping the heat alive. Very, very nice. Okay, from that podcast, do you remember your favorite vacation place? Oh my gosh. I, it directly relates to beer, by the way. It re oh, Ireland. Boom, yes. Galway, Ireland. Ding, 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 oh, ding, Galway. ding. Oh, yeah, yeah. Woo, go. All right. Next question from that podcast. Are you still playing the drums? Sadly, we have moved and the drum set is not set up yet. It ah. will be. I'm looking forward to... Uh, to, to getting getting settled in, getting the drum set up, and then turning my son loose on it. So ah, there you he, go. He, he'll be a drummer whether he likes it or not. Yes, <laughs> another change since the very first time we chatted. Yeah. How's fatherhood treating you? It's uh, uh, so much. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and at times, I I do look at myself in the mirror and go, "What the heck was I thinking?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it, Liam, Liam has been fantastic and, uh, challenging and wonderful. Everything they say about parenthood is, is accurate. Uh, I, I highly suggest doing it. And I also totally get it if you choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the question though. Are you going to teach him how to rap? Oh, come on. Right. Of course. <laughs> I, no, he already knows how to beatbox. Yeah, so if anybody wants to hear Mr. Fisher rapping, you got to check out my podcast from 2015. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, last question from that podcast, because I'm curious where you're at today. What video game are you playing today? What video game am I playing today? Uh, still playing a little bit of Destiny, because uh, it's stuck around. And uh, I'm actually playing a lot more just kind of smaller indie games on the computer, on the PC that I can't even like point to one for sure. It's it's I'll play something for a week or two because it's been fun to seeing what indie developers are coming up with. They're not usually big games, but they're interesting games. So that's kind of, it's, it's also, I only usually have about 30 minutes here or there to play go back and reference what we said about having a two-year-old. <laughs> hey, I don't have to. I've been there, man. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I, I just started playing uh, Dishonored again for like mm. I don't know, the 20th time. Good game. Very good. I, li I like those kind of games. And I got excited this week. I saw that uh, that Ubisoft is, is going to create a new Splinter Cell game in the next couple of years. So there that's you go. pretty exciting stuff for me. <laughs> nice. Are you still using your 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 whiteboard? Uh, if you want to go back to the past, your your whiteboard paints that was I don't oh. know, yeah. So my desk, which you cannot see, is a whiteboard, and it's not really a whiteboard. I took I got the whiteboard sticky stuff from Amazon and oh, just okay. like put it right over the top of the desk. Love it. Uh, and then I have a big whiteboard on the other side of the road. Like, uh, but I tell you, the whiteboard I use more than anything else now is my iPad. Okay. Like, there's an app called Notability. Oh, I yeah, yeah, use yeah. all the time for drawing, for getting thoughts out of my head, all that kind of stuff. Love it. So yeah, 
I don't know where I'd be without him, to be honest. There you go. Well, th- thank you, everybody, for listening to Ryan and me go down <laughs> memory lane. <laughs> and my wife just walked by and she's giving me the head shake. She's like, what about me? What do, you, what do you mean you wouldn't be somewhere without whiteboards? What about me? Anyway, I can say that because for the first time, you and I actually met in person this year. That That is absolutely correct. And uh, it's funny, people all the time talk to me about LinkedIn and they're like, oh, you know, can you really like meet people on LinkedIn? Is this like, are they actual relationships? You and I only knew each other through LinkedIn yeah. and podcasts yeah. for over five years. Yes. We, we met for the first time in 2021. If the first time we talked was in 2015. Yeah. And it was all because your wife uh, needed a speaker for a conference. She was doing. So I was like, all right. And, and, then, and then she was like, and Ryan will be here and you can go and check out some uh, craft breweries. I was like, I'm in. How can I not? How can I not? And we're going to do it. We're going to do it again in January is what I understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally looking forward to that. So now uh, one thing that's that uh, I remembered as I was going back through the podcast, I actually re-listened to it. We talk about some really important stuff in that podcast that's still relevant today. And it was specifically on your book, Networking in the 21st Century, which Mm -hmm. another congratulations are in order for you. You released not one book to this year, but two new books. Yes. One is Networking in the 21st Century, and the other one is Networking in the 21st Century on LinkedIn. Yep. Did the updates on both of them. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Question, which one do you like best? Oh, I mean, they're like children, right? It depends on the day. I, I, I mean, of course, I'm the oldest of five kids, and I still think that I'm my mom's favorite, but you know, she, she's not <laughs> letting the cat out of the bag on that one. You know, I really like. Oh, I I don't think I can pick a favorite. I like the the networking one, just because it's such a. You know, we look at the offline and the online world, and it's such an important topic that most people cringe about. You know, they did like nobody really likes it, but if you get it right, it makes such a huge impact, not only in your business life, on your personal life. So I really that's why I like it. I love the LinkedIn one because it was a chance to really just dive into some of the nuts and bolts of like, what do you actually do every day to, 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 to make connections, which has been so important Yeah, as we've been unable to go out, many of us unable to go out of our houses, it really over the pandemic. And, and still to this day, we're recording this in October of 2021. It's still iffy where you're going. And there's, there's still a lot of things we have to be careful of. So yeah, I, I'm totally, uh, I'm totally ducking the question and saying they're both my favorite. <laughs> they're both my favorite. It's okay. I would have done the exact same thing. I, I can tell you this legitimately, the networking in the 21st century changed the way I looked at networking and how I approached my business when I finally started it. Because in 2015, oh, I was wow. still, I was still working for a corporation Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got to 2017 and to started, decided to start my own business, I started thinking, oh man, I got to do this thing called networking. I better go reference this book again. <laughs> <laughs> so good. good. It helped somebody. I know it was, it was worthwhile. Yeah. So from my standpoint, I personally want to thank you for publishing that book because it did make Welcome. a difference in me getting my business going. Awesome. When we, when you think about networking, let's not talk let's not talk like online networking yet, but just networking okay. in general. Like, what's the biggest mistake you think you see people make? The biggest mistake is actually not a tactical one or even a strategic one. I think the biggest mistake I make or, or I see people make is in mindset. Hmm. And, and I, I mean, I'd be curious to to even hear how it impacted you. But I think that most people 
mistakenly view networking as this thing that other people do that seems pushy or uncomfortable or awkward. This image of the the person at the conference passing out business cards willy-nilly, right? Used car salesman. Used car, that's exactly right. And And I think that this is such a mistake because it is the mindset that cuts you off from doing anything else, right? Because if mm-hmm. you go, I don't want to be that used car salesman, I don't want to be sketchy or skeevy or pushy, then you're not going to go to a networking event or just have that cup of coffee with somebody. And even in you know reworking uh, it for the update, I like what I wanted to come through is networking is really just a a way of approaching relationship building intentionally and deliberately to help everybody. And I think if you do that, you know the opportunities will will come to you. But you got to have the the mindset first. So I think that's the big mistake that people make. What What about as you? Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at rewriting one of my books and, you know, I know everything that kind of goes into that. But like, what's the biggest change you think you saw from the first release of the book and when it comes to networking to today? Yeah, I know we're not talking about the online world yet, but it was really funny. It was funny to to, to look through the the first edition of networking in the 21st century. And and I was working on this in the, the, you know, the heart of the pandemic, you know, really started into it in the end of 2020, early 2021. One thing that stood out was how much little did change, right? How, yes, we might mm-hmm. have to look at other platforms, but it really was just about how do you connect with people, even if it's over zoom, right? So we had to put a little, some more zoom references in there and video references. Yeah, yeah. But it's still all about finding out about people, about sharing how you help finding out how, they work with people looking for ways to be of service. And and really that foundation of a relationship has not changed. The thing that was funny to me was the first edition of Networking in the 21st Century came out in 2013. And all of the social media or digital engagement references were very much like, hey, there's this, this thing called LinkedIn. You maybe <laughs> want to check it out. It might be kind of useful for you. I'm not saying you have to, but hey, there's this thing called Twitter. There's a lot of people talking on it. Yeah. And just to look back at that, and it's just very light and very subtle. And just, you know, it'd be a nice add-on versus it becoming really a, a key part of how we engage. Yeah, I'm just curious because uh, I know I've done this too with some of my stuff. But when you went back through it, did you find like a sentence or a phrase where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. That was brilliant. <laughs> I'm laughing because, <laughs> yes, I can't I can't tell you what any of them are. But uh, I, I did the, the first like deep re, rereading and, and note taking on an iPad as well because I had it on my Kindle and you can take you can take notes uh, or, or highlight on the Kindle, and I had one color for this needs to be changed, and one color for hey, this was actually pretty smart of me. How did I come up with that? I got to remember this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I find that funny. I had somebody come up to me the other day and quoted something directly from my book. Not, they didn't come up to me. They sent me an email. Right. And I and I read it and I was like, oh man, that was. I can't believe I wrote that. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because people don't know this if, unless you're an author. Authors don't read their books after they write them. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't like just curl up and read some of my past books, my right. haiku book every once in a while. But just in general, yeah, I've had that same experience where somebody's like, I really like the section where you said X, Y, and Z. And, and I'll be like, wow, that's 
Yeah, that's really good advice. I'm glad, I'm glad I wrote that down. <laughs> Woo, man. The truth is, by the time you get your book over the line and it's published, you've probably read it 30 to 50 times. Oh, yeah. And it and it all just looks like words by the 50th time. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but like as soon as I hit publish, I'm literally on to the next thing. Yeah. Like, what is next? That book is now passed. Yep. It's good advice. I love it. I'm proud of what I did. But what's like, what's the next thing? I'm not, I don't like try to memorize passages and stuff. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I felt really good when I heard an interview with the music producer, Rick Rubin, who uh, makes some great music and in, uh, in my opinion, but he goes, yeah, I, I don't listen to albums that I've made. <laughs> you know? I don't, I don't listen to the past stuff. I'm always working on the new next project. I was like, okay, cool. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah. I, I follow, uh, you know, I'm a big Foo Fighters fan and I follow um, anything Dave Grohl does. And he just came out with a book recently, which is a really good book. It's called the storyteller, not plugging it. We're not paid to say that. But, right. Um, but Dave, if you want to send a book over my way, I mean, that's yeah, totally yeah, cool. Yeah. But one of the things that he talked about in there is like when he hears, everybody asks him about Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And so everybody, you know, he thinks when somebody says a song from Nirvana, he doesn't, he actually said, I don't think of the music. I actually think of the moment or the time in which we created it. So his mind right. goes back to the studio, the people that were around him and the things that were happening in his kind of field of vision at that time. Right. Instead of the actual music itself. Oh, that's fascinating. I think authors kind of do the same thing too, right? Like once, once it's released, we don't go read our book. We don't listen to our quote, listen to our own music, but we can tell you, I remember writing that book. I remember the days that I spent, you know, on a Saturday yeah. writing a book when it was beautiful outside and I should have been out at a brewery, those types of things. <laughs> right. But it's very similar in that in that regard, I think. Yeah, I think that's absolutely I can go back to different books and go, Oh yeah, that's when I was going to X coffee house all the time. Or yeah, yeah, yeah that's when exactly. I was waking up at five in the morning, really, you know, on a schedule and, and knocking it out. So yeah, I can see that. Let's talk networking in the 21st century on LinkedIn. As you were looking at that, now I know from the first time you released it to now, lots has changed. But yeah. what do you think is probably the biggest change that you've seen with LinkedIn since the first release? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because this is actually the third edition. So I released mm -hmm. a second edition one week before my son Liam was born which is why there was no promotion for it. I was like, I need to get this done. I need to get this updated. And then I did. And then, and then the chaos of having a, a new human being you have to keep alive. But over over the last, and I think the, the LinkedIn book first came out in 2014. We did the update in 2019. And then this third edition, 2021. What has actually surprised me is how much the advice has both stayed the same because people haven't listened to it at all. <laughs> and also how much, um, how to put this, the, the opportunity has grown so much for people to make an impact if you leverage it. So what I mean is, I've been telling people for over a decade how to have a better LinkedIn profile. And yet mm -hmm. you and I, we, could, we both see almost probably on a daily basis, people who have horrible profiles. And you're like, dude, come on, like get with it. Yep. But what I think people have started to realize, and, and this was, I think, driven a bit by the pandemic and social distancing and the need to be in these, uh, these digital channels. What has been really interesting is seeing people really take hold of 
content sharing and more, even more like engaging with people, things that you or I kind of were doing over the last five, six years naturally. And, and you, you know, starting relationships and kind of being in touch with people and our, our network in light ways. It's kind of fun seeing that people are getting how they can do that mm. uh, a little bit more at scale. I, I think it's still a huge untapped uh, opportunity for most people, but that's, that's what I think is probably the biggest thing. It's not, you know, this functionality or that functionality, but really how people are using it is starting to change in a good way. Yeah. So let's, uh, pandemic happens, mm -hmm. sends everybody who's used to being outside, inside. Yes. Right. And as a result, online. Yep. What do you say to sales folks who, you know, they're used to being in front of people and they come to you and they're like, David, come on, man, you can't really make connections online. You got to be in front of them. Like, what do you <laughs> say to those folks? What advice would you give them? The, the two things I would do is completely agree with them and disagree with them. So how do I, how do I get to cut this both ways? I don't think the online world replaces in person. And I think that there's definitely a subset of people who are whatever you want to call us, LinkedIn trainers, experts, blah, 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 who they're so emphatic about the use of digital that if you're a salesperson, like a field salesperson, and you hear be on LinkedIn, you go, wait, you just want me to like be a pod person from the matrix and not meet with people? <laughs> Screw that. You're, you, I, I'm not going to listen to you. Like one of my, my current kind of rants is that most LinkedIn people, excuse me, people uh, like trainers and stuff, they come from marketing, they come from HR, like they're not salespeople. And so a lot of times salespeople will not listen to them. Mm. So what I would tell to the salesperson is like, yeah, I, I'm not trying to replace the in-person. I want to augment it. What the key really is in my mind is using the various channels we have, whether that is LinkedIn, Twitter, email, text, phone calls, Zoom, asynchronous video, in-person meetings, right? Use why not use all of them, right? And that's that's really where I, I still think there's this problem, definitely in the sales world, where it's like an either or. But hey, why not meet somebody at a conference? I mean, I've done this. I know it works. I meet somebody at a conference. We stay in touch over LinkedIn. Yeah, right. We stay in touch over LinkedIn. Ryan's raising his hand on the video. Yeah, absolutely. Or conversely, we start a conversation with somebody. Yeah. We engage on one of their posts. We talk to them in the common field of something. And you can just scale that so easily. I mean, you and I have never, yeah, we didn't meet for so long. We didn't even live near each other. Right. right? So still don't. The, 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 yeah. The Ryan and D of 20 years ago would never have connected and engaged versus, you know, I wrote the forward for your book. You wrote the cover blurb for my book. Uh, we've passed business back and forth. We've introduced uh, each other to various people. Yeah. And all just sitting in front of our computers or on our phones. That's that's really the opportunity. So it's not, uh, I would tell that salesperson, don't think it's either or. Go both and, right? How do I how do I bring both of these into how I engage? And one of the things you highlight in the book, and I think is super important for people to keep in mind too, is like what social media, LinkedIn in particular, helps us do is just start a conversation. Right. We're not, we're not. And that's where I think you, you correct me if I'm wrong. If this is where I think people do LinkedIn wrong. They don't look at it as a conversation. They look at it as a sales opportunity. And so they go at it back to right. mindset. They go at it with that mindset and they forget that even if they were in front of somebody, they would still have a conversation. Right. 
hundred percent. You you say this so well in your book. It's LinkedIn is a social networking platform. It's not a social media platform. It's about conversation and connection. And if all you look at it is a new way to cold call people or a new way to put your product brochure online, you're not going to be successful. And that's what most, especially in sales, but I think just in general, people have done. And in their defense, nobody's ever shown them the right way of doing it, right? It'd be like handing somebody a telephone back when telephones came around. Because <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you that people were in sales meetings going, hey, we're going to call people on the phone. And everyone's like, you can't call people. You have to go knock on their door and talk to them you know, in, in the flesh. If you had just handed somebody a, a phone and said, uh, go sell, they would have struggled. You'd have to be like, hey, here's what you're trying to do. Here's how to have a conversation, build value, et cetera, et cetera. So the people that are getting it right, and hopefully there's more and more of them, just look at it as another place to have that engagement and that interaction, not just a bunch of people on megaphones shouting at each other. Yeah. What do you think when it comes to LinkedIn and networking, what do you think LinkedIn does best? I think LinkedIn does a couple things really well. As much as sometimes it's maligned because it's done poorly, the LinkedIn profile is so powerful. Like we forget, and I, I talk about this sometimes like in trainings. I remember in 1994, my roommate in college uh, was way smarter than me and was in the integrated science program and learned HTML. Mm. And we had our own little personal websites we, we each made. We were so fired up when we learned how to change the background color from gray to white. <laughs> In the, like the old Netscape. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. if you don't get this, it's because you're you're a little younger and that's totally okay. The internet was a wild place. You don't need to know that stuff anymore. You just click a button and change the color. Right. But so the fact that you can make a website and just, and people I think are still stuck on it as like, oh, it's my resume or something like that. But if you go, hey, I have a way of sharing the most important information that I want to convey to somebody, you know, like that elevator pitch, that- mm -hmm. Hey, here's who I work with. Here's how I help them. Here's why it's, here's the mistake. It's not, here's why you should buy from me. It's here's why you should talk to me. Mm. And if you look at it that way, as an invitation to a conversation, that profile becomes so powerful as a, as a place where you've planted your flag in the digital internet, in the interwebs about who you are, what you do, what, what's important. And then the other thing they do really well is they enable us to have conversations at scale. The, the name of your next book. Yeah. But because of not only LinkedIn, but definitely some of the other social media platforms, I think there's definitely some some backlash and some exhaustion from information overload. But if you think about the ability, you know, for me to put a post out on LinkedIn and say, here's something about LinkedIn or personal branding, career development, stuff that you're involved in and say, hey, what do you think about this, Ryan? Or even just you come across that post, have an opinion and share it. I think it's easy for us to, to lose sight of how valuable that really is. And so that ability to have conversations with more people, have them at scale, I don't think it's about going, I need to be an influencer, or have 100,000 people see this post and it become viral. Mm -hmm. It's just to go back to the networking point, I need to have my network of people that are most impactful to me and what I'm trying to do professionally to be able to see, have them see what I'm sharing and engage with it. Yeah. Speaking of sharing, people should just you know go out and post valuable content, right? <laughs> I think I think you've seen a recent rant of mine on LinkedIn. Potentially. What I think is also challenging about LinkedIn is we've gotten to the point where everybody's heard the basic five to seven tips 
over and mm-hmm. over again. Yeah. Uh, I just saw one recently, uh, an article by somebody uh, in the social selling space. I respect him a lot. He has great content, but he's like the five things you should be, every salesperson should be doing on LinkedIn. I agree completely with all five of them. However, any salesperson who reads them, I mean, it's like post valuable content, uh, build your network. That 101 stuff doesn't help anymore. Everybody's heard it and now they tune it out. Right. We've got to start being a little more granular, a little more tactical. And, and to your point about value, valuable content, you know, it's the idea of sharing stuff that is going to help the people in your network make decisions more easily, more quickly, and with less risk. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you, you, you were doing LinkedIn live for a while and I just got approved by the way, this month. So welcome, welcome. I've done two LinkedIn live shows and I'm doing a weekly show now, Nice. but how let's assume, and I just saw a thing this morning that LinkedIn is in November, they're going to start rolling out LinkedIn live. Yeah. Do you, how would you direct guide, advise a salesperson who got access to LinkedIn live to use it for networking? The first thing I would say is ask them to examine if that's really the best use of their time. <laughs> okay. And the reason why is I've done a ton of LinkedIn Live. I'm excited to see what you're going to do with it. We've also gotten to the point where there are so many broadcast channels. That's great, but it doesn't mean that people are going to be listening, right? And and mm-hmm. LinkedIn very specifically as a platform, it's what I both love and kind of you know hate about it is it's not where people go to waste time. You know, people go to right. Facebook. And they're like, I'm just here because I'm hanging out at the end of the day. Oh, somebody's live doing something funny or whatever, singing a song. I'm going to check on it. Yep. Whereas, you know, if I go to your LinkedIn live, that's a very deliberate choice of where I'm going to spend my time. Yeah. And so what I think for a sales professional, generally any content they're creating, it's like, is this the best use of your time? Because a salesperson is not a content creator. They, I mean, they have the right. Their job is to, to, to right. make business happen. By the way, the answer might be yes, that it is a good use of their time because they can get in front of their prospects, their clients, their network, and actually share valuable information. Valuable meaning it's going to help people make better decisions, make them more easily, quickly, and with less risk. But at the same time, they if they if they answer that, nah, I'm not sure, then don't. You know, let your marketing people do that. And you you go talk to people. But if if they're committed to to being on LinkedIn Live, make it super targeted, make it super specific. I would say invite all of your prospects onto the show with you and ask them questions, interview them. Mm. I mean, one of the great things that, and it works in podcasting too. In fact, one of the reasons I started the podcast was to have an excuse to make people talk with me for 45 minutes. Right. Absolutely. And I think that if, if I was, if I was telling a salesperson who want, who was really committed to doing it and doing it well, I'd say have a good production value and then have a format where you can go to your prospects and say, I'm not even trying to pitch you. I just would love to talk to you for 30 minutes about what you're working on in your business. I think that would be really impactful. Yeah, I agree. Um, I started my podcast selfishly too, and no other reason than to talk to people that I wanted to talk to that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to. Yeah. Right. Um, Dory Clark, who I interviewed three times on my podcast, she, she said one time that podcast is a giving request. Oh yeah. Love it. I asked her to be on my show and I am giving her my platform. I am giving her my audience. Like I'm give, she's getting something in return because as long as I pay to have that podcast in the cloud, yeah, her words and her advice are always out there. So that's a giving request as opposed to a taking request, which is, Hey, let's go get some coffee. 
<laughs> right, 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 right. I just want some of your time and it's only going to stay in this closed area. Yeah, I love that idea of, of, of you're giving a platform. You're, you're giving access to your audience, to, to other opportunities for that guest. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. People like to talk about their stuff and what's going on in their life. And if you can give them an opportunity to do that in a way that not only benefits you, but other people as well, you know, that's something that like Dory said, she would never turn down. Now, this was this was a long time ago. Today, she might turn stuff down. <laughs> She's pretty busy. Good right. for her. She's pretty busy. She said she would never turn down podcast interviews. And it and yeah. she never and she never asked like how many downloads do you have or what's your audience size like she didn't care because she figured that even if you're just getting started out if you're somebody who's taking the time to do a podcast mm-hmm. to have a conversation with somebody you're probably not the kind of person who's just gonna like quit all of a sudden right I I've always viewed podcasts as collaborative I, I love collaborative content because when you have two people together, like recording an interview. First of all, they're always fun. I've always enjoyed both in, in having guests on the show here on B3. I do a lot of podcast uh, guesting myself. It's always fun. It's always interesting. You learned, I always learn stuff, which I think is what I like about because it's always a good conversation. And you, you walk away with this thing, you know, this recording, this, this artifact of your conversation that to your point, yeah. it's always going to be available. Someone's going to be able to learn. You never know how it can impact somebody. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Which you can now sell as an NFT, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet. Oh yeah, yeah, right. We'll I, work on it. I seriously like I seriously been thinking about that. How would that how would that work? Because technically, like even though I'm interviewing you, this is your intellectual property. I'll split it with you. When I when we sell it for a million bucks, I'll split it. It's there like could you could you actually sell it as an NFT? even though it's somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Like where yeah. would you have to have their permission? Like it, it's really, it's kind of one of those weird areas that, but still interesting to think about. <laughs> so David, I know I could talk about your books and all that stuff forever. Um, in fact, we have last time we got <laughs> together, we'll probably do it again in January. Yes. And I am super looking forward to the book that you write a year or two from now. That's going to be called networking in the metaverse. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So like figure out how we can do that with our little Oculus things on our head, like there little, little uh, whatever it is, VR. <laughs> I want to know how that works. <laughs> I'll, I'll get on that. But now I want to talk to you about the thing that we're doing, which is this podcast and episode yeah. 100. Congratulations again, by the way. Thank you. No, Thank you. no easy feat. Um, what's your biggest takeaway after a hundred episodes? My biggest takeaway is that People really do have interesting things to say if you ask them. And I mean, that was kind of always the basis of these conversations. Um, it's no secret that I enjoy having a good beer at a pub. Uh, I always have, you know, there's a reason Ireland was one of my favorite places to visit. But one of the places that kind of, uh, was maybe the, the genesis of, of this concept was if you sit there and have a conversation one-on-one with somebody over a pint or just, you know, in a coffee house, that's, that's totally fine too. But especially over a pint, you, you, you just tend to go in these directions that aren't expected. Right. Yeah. And, and that was one of the graphing things about running all these, these shows has been the guests who I don't know that well, maybe just kind of at the end they go, A, that was fun. And B, nobody ever asked me about blank. 
Mm-hmm. Right. They never asked me about whether it's an aspect of their business or, you know, the, this music that they love. You know, I remember was it Anita Nielsen talking about mixtapes, right. And how much she loved <laughs> mixtapes and she was super passionate about it. And, and that just usually doesn't come up. So that's probably been the biggest takeaway is that it, if you actually get a chance to talk to somebody and ask some, ask some questions, actually dive in a little bit. People are fascinating. There's a lot of a lot of richness to us. Yeah, I understand you're now into contemporary Canadian rock as a result of your podcast. Loved having uh, Steve on, right? He, he sent me some great stuff. It was fantastic. And, and honestly, I think that there's something, unfortunately, about adulthood. Hmm. Many of us, I think it's much more common to not meet new people and not find out things about people than it is to do that. I mean, yeah. I've I've been very fortunate not just with the podcast, but kind of my whole approach even to networking is I meet new people. I find out new things. Sometimes that leads to business opportunity. A lot of it just is like, wow, that's fascinating. You know, I just met this person who does XYZ. And I realize that that's not always normal because it kind of as we grow grow up, we we've got responsibilities. We do not have a lot of time. Right. I get all the reasons why, but sometimes just finding opportunities to get you know, new, new insights or new influence can be really valuable. So yeah, uh, Steve Watt sent some, some great Canadian rock my way. I'm going to have to check it out. (laughs) I, you know, I also just along those lines, I think for some reason, as we get older, we, we feel like we have to be a certain way and we kind of lose our childlike sense of curiosity just about things. Yeah. Which is a shame because curiosity is is where you learn. It's when you ask convert. It's when you ask questions. It's when you have conversations with people that you wouldn't otherwise do it. Yeah, or, or have you know, because you're cur- you're genuinely curious about either the person, their interests, or their business or life or whatever. And I just think for some reason that we lose that. And I don't know why that is. I absolutely agree. And you know, kind of to go back to the the art of artifice of beer beats and business, the idea of sitting at that proverbial end of the bar, so to speak. One of the things that I've always enjoyed, and I do think this is somewhat particular to the pub experience, the bar experience, you know, you have a beer, you have a cocktail, you get a little, a little looser. Yeah. Curiosity comes back. Your curiosity comes up and actually your and this is this is not a blank statement. This is definitely me. Like I definitely get more opinionated, more vociferous with my opinions. <laughs> but what's also happens at the same time, I'm also very open to other people's. Like yeah. I want that. Like even with some of my best friends to this day, people I've known for decades, we'll have some wonderful disagreements. You know, after a pint, <laughs> and it's not like we don't and we we still love each other. We're just like sure. Here's my opinion. And you're basically saying, tell me your opinion. Tell me what you think. Tell me what's going on in your brain. And that and that gives us so much food for thought. Like I'll have conversations with friends and like for a week go, why why does she think that? Or why does he think that? Oh, that yeah. is interesting. I never considered it that way. Do I have to do I have to reframe how I'm approaching it? And and we just don't give ourselves by the way, this is not a reason you have to go out to a, a bar and have a couple of drinks and get into fights with people, please. That's not what I mean at all. But uh, I mean, some of the best guests on, on B3 have, have been non-drinkers and that's totally cool too. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think I, as a whole, it, like we seem to, we've seemed to stop being curious about why other people think the way they do, mm-hmm. about why they believe the way they do. 
Um, we've just gotten to this place where we're like, I don't want to have a conversation. I just want to tell you my side and forget about it. Like, yeah. I, if you don't, you don't like it, that's your problem. Um, you know, <laughs> right. and it's like, where did this sense of curiosity come from? Like, where does this, like, I want to know why you think that way. What is the, you know, and it's just, I, that's what I like about podcasts. You can really dive in deep to mm-hmm. ways people think and have conversations at scale. I, I think mm-hmm. that's exactly right. And, and one of my goals and I made this decision early on. There's a lot of great business podcasts out there specific to industries or, or roles, you know, sales, marketing, this, that, or the other thing. I kind of realized early on I could either get really niche or niche down, whatever your preferred uh, pronunciation is, or I could <laughs> kind of keep it a little more broad, a little more general, and just ask people, not only ask people kind of more general questions to see where they went, but I could also have on a much broader type of guest. Right. And that, and and so, and I kind of did that. I was like, you know what? It might not be the best quote unquote business case or business use case, whatever. I just want to find out about people. And it's been, it's been great to actually have, I mean, over the the last hundred episodes, we've had everywhere from salespeople to authors, to entrepreneurs, to hardcore SEO people, to actors and professional artists. And every time I've walked away, like, Oh, okay. That's, I, 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 I know something different and, or, or new. And that's, that's kind of been the goal for me and hopefully for the listeners as well. Yeah. So I got a few more questions. We're going to wrap up, but one of the things I want to know that's new about you is what is your favorite beer? What is my favorite beer? There are two. One, one is still made. One is not uh, still made. And, and I know that these are my favorite because they both have they're the only two beers on Untapped for me, uh, which have five star listings. Mm. Uh, so the beer that is no longer made is a beer called Richie. It mm. was made by a, a brewery uh, here in Chicago, which has since uh, gone out of business, which is why it will never be made again. I mean, hopefully <laughs> it'll come back. I mean, it was that amazing. It was called Richie. It was an imperial porter, mm. and it was transcendent. Uh, and I actually got a chance to 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 meet and become friends with uh, the the head brewer there, uh, Jesse. And uh, you said, you know, breweries are businesses too. And as you and I both know, not all businesses succeed. So yeah. uh, they they didn't last. But oh, man, it was amazing. And uh, the second is one that is still around, has been for a couple hundred years, probably will remain. And that's Guinness. Uh, all right. I will say this: a well poured Guinness in Ireland is uh, about as close to heaven as I've gotten. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, and I'll tell you what, After, if you're in Ireland, you have maybe two or three of those. The uh, the pub conversations get very curious, very interesting, very fast. They definitely <laughs> scale. They scale <laughs> in volume and content. All okay. right, favorite favorite beats. What are you listening to in the, in the phone or the iPod or whatever it is, that, whatever your devices of, of choice? Yeah, so these days... A lot of my music listening is done while working. Uh, and so one of my favorites has been for quite a while, still a big fan, is Nujibes, which is a, uh, he's a Jap, or was, sadly, he passed very early, but he was a Japanese hip hop producer. Mm. Uh, he actually did the soundtrack for one of my favorite anime, which is Samurai Champloo. If, if there was a thing called Samurai Hip Hop, that's what this guy did. And it was, and so that, that's been a, a, a lot of fun. 
and you know, still teaching Zumba. So still loving the the Latin. You, nice. We have salsa on probably most days or salsa, merengue, uh, whether it's the old Fania stuff, which I love, uh, Hector Laveau and Willie Colon or some of the new reggaeton. Uh, that's what I'm listening to. All right. Business. What's caught your eye in business? What's the trend that you see going forward? Well, there's this whole thing about us figuring out how to work remotely. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't heard of that. <laughs> yeah, right. The thing that has truly caught my eye is I'm really curious as to what the new hybrid, I, I believe it's, and this is an opinion, right? Thinking to the future, we're all making stuff up. Anybody who says they know for sure what's happening is trying to tell you something. But I do think we're going to be working in a hybrid. Most of us who have the opportunity are going to be working in a hybrid environment where, yes, we're going to be doing some in-office, in-person stuff. But the genie is out of the bottle, working remote, working from home. A lot of people are like, A, wow, I like this. And B, I can be just as effective. Yeah, I think that's going to completely throw the whole employer-employee relationship uh, in a good way. That I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that works. And one of the things that is very close to you know the work I'm doing is also then seeing, and, and I'm working with some people on this, is how do you manage sales teams? How do you manage, mm. uh, teach, train, coach people when you're not in person? Especially because a lot of sales organizations, their culture was very much around kind of this intense interpersonal sales bullpen motivation, you know, you're in the office with your people, getting them on the phone, getting them to engage. That's not going to work anymore. So what is that next step? And I, I, I definitely don't have the answer yet, but I'm really curious to see if I can, can help, uh, you know, give some ideas and, and help some people out with that. So that, that's what's interesting to me moving forward. I think it's the metaverse. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question. What is the one piece of advice you'd give somebody to help them have a better day today? Compassion. Compassion for self, compassion for others. Wow. Such a, that's, I mean, that's a, such a super powerful word. And I'm just going to say it's genius too, because it ties into everything else we've talked about with curiosity, conversations, compassion. Yeah. I'm not saying it's easy, but uh, be, be kind to others. And, and I, I think truly be kind to ourselves. I love it. Well, I can tell you, sir, you have been extremely kind to me over the years, and I am truly humbled that you asked me to host the 100th episode of Beer, Beats, and Business, and I look forward to doing it again at episode 200. Thanks for stopping by. You can find show notes and links in this episode at beerbeatsandbusiness.com. We all know the best way to find out about a new podcast is through our friends. So please help us out and share what we're doing through social media or just tell someone. And if you could do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Stitcher, that would be great. Want to get in on the conversation? Send DFish a message on Twitter at DFishRockstar and we'll save a spot for you at the bar for the next Beer, Beats and Business.